Welcome to Two Men On, ladies and gentlemen. 110%. Kill the cards. Oh, what yeah, I remember that one. Tell where you are. I was telling you suck. You know what? I, I quit. I really quit. <laughs> the Kwame Brown of fantasy baseball. I'm late enough to to say that. Wayne Grove Party Con, right? Yeah. You're ready this already. <laughs> Which two men are on? T-M-O, baby. That's hot. TMO24, the experts over at CBS Fantasy Sports are predicting a major return to dominance for one BDL team, but did they get it right? We'll take a look at how CBS is calling each division today on TMO, plus fresh off making a name for himself during the BDL winter meeting in December, Chris of the Milwaukee Beers joins us for a chat about the league-altering Volison Initiative. You are listening to BDL Radio, and this is two men on. CBS Fantasy Rankings have revealed some surprising predictions for the BDL in 2012. Unless you're the Rockets or the Damage, of course. Welcome to TMO. This is Johnny of the Killer Car Company. And I'm joined, as usual, by the man who wouldn't touch an Asian pitcher with a 10-foot pole. Scotty of the Gens. Uh, are you Lynn Sane? <laughs> Am I insane? Are you kidding? I got a stud third baseman. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll see. <laughs> no, that was that was an interesting deal, uh, first of its kind, really, in the league, and, and we'll we'll get into more of that later. But uh, yeah, it's a good day. Good to be back on the air. Definitely, definitely. All right, the first thing we're going to look at today is uh, what may prove to be somewhat controversial topic after after we, uh, ends up hitting the boards here. Uh, we're going to discuss who's coming out on top in each division of BDL, based on uh, CBS Sports. Um, Scotty, how about you tell them how the rankings were developed? Okay. Um, well, if you've ever looked you know, closely at your roster, you'll notice that CBS assigns an overall fantasy value to each player on your team. Well, right now, if you look, those values are determined by CBS's statistical projections for each player for the upcoming um, 2012 season. Well, what we've done is we've added the values for each BDL team's projected top 28 players, so a, a full MLB roster, and we've averaged that figure to create a single team value ranking. Um, we've compared, compared the rankings for each team in the BDL to determine, at least according to the experts at CBS, <laughs> how each division well, will probably pan out this season. Now, is it, a, is it an exact science? Of course not. Uh, are there variables in play here um, that projections simply can't account for? Of course there are. But, you know, it gives us something to argue about on the forum, and who doesn't want that? Also, I should note these rankings are current as of uh, Friday, uh, February 17th. So any transactions that have been made since then aren't reflected here. And finally, to be clear, just to be clear, this isn't a ranking that was developed by us for the show. We're actually saving our our official 2012 predictions, I think, Johnny, for next month's uh, podcast in March. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, this this ranking was was created by the CBS projection data only. So any hate mail should be addressed directly to CBS Sports. Uh, but so Johnny, without further ado, let's uh, let's let's dive right right in. Uh, why don't we? We'll start with uh, well, let's just start off with your division, the North. Um, we look at you know the North. We of course did a, a big segment on on the North division in the last episode of TMO that really broke things down and I think the probably the consensus among most um, coming out of that segment was that the Amish Brotherhood were, were probably the the favorites in the division followed by the Wallabies but what does CBS have to say uh, let's start at the bottom uh, according to CBS with a team <laughs> ranking of 280 280 number four the killer car company yeah i mean uh 280 uh, is my average ranking of my top 28 players and finally i'm getting some respect the respect i deserve here you know cbs loves the cars this year apparently <laughs> um i came in actually 12th overall in, in the entire uh entire league and um it definitely gives my club some motivation i I guess I'm going with a different strategy. I don't think uh, my team's finalized yet, but um, I could see how CBS would re- reflect that. Has it uh, changed your perspective overall on, on your current retooling project? No, not at all. Cool. Cool. Number three, no surprise, uh, the Boston Double Downs. Not too far off from you, Johnny, but closer to number two, actually, than to you, uh, with the 262. Uh, team team rating, um, Kevin. Uh, think probably that's about where he figures to be this year. Mm-hmm. Definitely, uh, I think a nice solid rating for him. I, I'm sure he would take. You know, I know he wants uh, wants the playoffs. He wants to win. Uh, I'm sure he'd take third place over the cars to begin with, and and probably looking for more down the line. Uh, he came in tenth overall. He did. Now the big question. Who's first, who's second in the North, according to CBS? The number one team for the North Division with a team rating of 191, the Portsmouth Wallabies. Johnny, is that a surprise? I don't I don't think it's too much of a surprise. Uh, Brent's made a, a real concerted effort to um, go out and acquire talent this offseason. And um, he's got the horses in the staff that I, Joe probably doesn't um he's got some sneaky closers and um you know i think cbs nailed it uh what i was a little surprised about um was how he ranked overall uh just a quick uh, overview of that he came in second in the entire league in average ranking he did and uh the 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 ranking between the second and third place team which the third place team will get to uh, a little later was extremely close. It was actually just two points off, um, and that that gap was actually closed by a, a, a trade that was made earlier. That, well, not this week. Uh, you're listening to this uh, a few days after after we are recording, but um, this this week uh, we're recording on Friday. A trade that was made um, closed that gap quite significantly, actually, um, but. What most surprised me, I think, about uh, the North's ranking, Johnny, not 
uh, was not that the Wallabies came out on top, but was how far apart the Wallabies and the Amish Brotherhood scored, according to CBS. Um, mm-hmm. The Amish, of course, came in number two in the north with a team ranking of 259. So um, pretty, pretty significant gap there, 191 to 259. And CBS actually ranked the Amish ninth overall in the league, which I found very surprising. Yeah, 259 average ranking. Uh, Let me run those back down for you to give you perspective on the division. 280 for the cars, 262 for the double downs, 259, which is pretty close, for the Amish, and then an insane 191 for the Wallabies. Um, I'm more shocked by the Wallabies 191, the distance up there, than I am the Amish 259 because they do have... um, Probably some lower-ranked pitchers. Uh, I think Joe's hoping for a lot of bounce backs. Um, I don't think his offense is in question. Um, so the pitcher rankings probably uh, are reflected in there somewhat. You know, I think it's also important to note, Johnny, that the the ranking, the value ranking um, for the Wallabies does not reflect you, Darvish, who the Wallabies <laughs> will take, of course, with the, the first waiver priority that they required from the generals uh, not too long ago. Uh, so that will only presumably improve um, the, the Wallabies figure. Yeah, I, I'm actually kind of scared now. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the first time you have ever admitted that on the record, actually. I may not be telling the truth. <laughs> okay, but, Johnny, uh, why don't he, you uh, he, lead us into the uh, the Eastern Division? Yeah, what I will say is uh, Brent's put it up a uh, He's created a formidable roster this year, and uh, I am very excited for the challenge. I've been waiting for it, um, and I got multiple challengers this year. Uh, moving on to the East. Um, we're going to start at the back end of the East. Um, this team, uh, I guess there's going to be a lot of discussion about this team uh, with all the moves they've made. Uh, averaging a rank of 249, um, that would have been second in the North, uh, ahead of the Amish. Uh, at seventh overall in the league, the uh, Gotham City Generals, fourth in the East. Yeah, and I think uh, as you, or a, as we uh, as we discuss the East uh, uh, further here here in just a in just a second, you're uh, you're going to see kind of how remarkable that is, and that a, a two forty nine team is is projected fourth in that division. The East overall is just such a such a strong strong division, according to uh, these uh, CBS projections. Yeah, do you feel you're the fourth ranked team in the East? Um, well, no, no, I don't. Um, I, I don't feel that I'm the first ranked team. I, I don't feel that I'm the fourth ranked team. I'm I'm somewhere in the middle. Um, but it's it's also no surprise that um, the the CBS projections would reflect that because I'm, you know, for at least for 2012, counting on, um, you know, some 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 development of some of my younger uh, younger players. When I say younger, I don't mean minor leaguers. I mean some of my younger um, major league players. Um, counting on some, some development there this year that I don't think CBS is uh, taking into account. Um, and, you know, truth be told, I, it's going to take some luck with my rotation, too. I, I need some, some of my, my, my real uh, younger guys to, uh, to, you know, slide into to some more full-time roles this season to, to really make a lot of noise. But uh, 
no surprise. I think I, I'm going to end up um, slotted a a little higher or slotted higher uh, come the end of the season. But uh, but no surprise, and we'll see. Yeah, I uh, I do think you're closer to third than fourth. Um, I think, like you said, uh, it is reflective of um, just how young your your team is. You, you can't really predict, like CBS is trying to do, um, which young guys are going to outperform. And if they do, if all of your young guys uh, really, I think next year, these rankings will probably have you in the top three. I mean, if if all your guys come through this year, you've you've really put on a push uh, late to kind of uh, build this team up for to win now. Well, uh, just to just to give the East a little more um, perspective, uh, it, it is also worth noting that the fourth place team in the East, according to CBS, would win one other division in this league. I think that's pretty telling of, of where the East is. And we'll move on to another close team. Uh, Generals ranking 249 overall. Third place, the epidemic coming in at 235 overall, uh, uh, with their ranking fifth overall in the league. Um, little surprised by this, um, makes you wonder about the top two teams. What's going on there? Um, <laughs> but uh, Matt's been a solid competitor since he's been in this league, and uh, I can't see him falling this low at this point. How about you? Well, I. You know, Johnny. I mean, you you know, it's it's easy to say that you you can't see him falling that low at this point. But um, you know, some of the, these East teams are going to kind of be a little out of whack when you know in the standings just because of where they play. Um, in any other division, the epidemic would be a, a powerhouse. I don't think there's a whole lot of debate about that. Um, maybe some. And the same same can be said for the Bulldogs. But in the East, you know, a, a really really good team stands a chance of finishing fourth. Um, it's just um, it's it's a uh, it's a it's a unique um, place to play ball in the BDL. It is. I, I suppose I shouldn't look at it that way. There, all the players in the East Division are pretty much ranked uh, higher than any other division. I would say. Um, so. I think without further ado, that leads us to number one. Uh, we're going to reveal number one in the East. Um, Who could it be? Yeah, no surprise. It's the reigning champ, Michael, and the Rockets. Uh, a scant two points behind the Wallabies in third place overall with an average ranking of 193. Uh, what, do you, what do you think about that? Well, uh, obviously, no surprise. Um, uh, at least, at least where he falls, where, where the Rockets fall in the East, um, it, it really goes back to me being kind of surprised about how just how high the Wallabies are ranking, um, according to CBS. You know, I fully expected the Rockets to be um, probably the second overall ranked team in the league when we began compiling these numbers, but um, that wasn't the case, and uh, he is. Uh, you know, the Rockets are playing. Playing catch up to the Wallabies now, apparently, um, but um, we we all know that uh, they will they will come with a very strong team, and I, I think they are an, an improved team um, over last year, even after dealing some heavy hitters. So um, that really leaves no 
no question about who the CBS ranks as the number two team in the East going into 2012, and um, kind of a surprise too. Also, the, you know, the, uh, we're looking at the Bulldogs with an overall ranking of 226, and, and according to CBS, ranked number four league-wide. That's right. I think this is probably the biggest story, and we've only gotten through two divisions. I mean, it's amazing. The guy goes away for two years. I haven't heard from him, and <laughs> uh, his team's stacked again. He didn't do anything to it. Somehow, um, this was exactly what happened when um, when he won that championship, by the way. He spent an offseason doing nothing. His team came back around the next year, and um, as you can tell, he's got some high-end players. Oh, a lot you, of them. Uh, were, were you there? You, you must you must remember that season well. I... <laughs> <laughs> I'm My team sorry. was higher ranked, I bet, but uh, <laughs> I guess that doesn't mean anything. Now look, uh, Craig. You know, hit the Bulldogs. Um, they have work to do on you know uh, with, with the bat with their bats, I believe. But their their pitching is still really top notch, and it it. it Elevates the team yes, uh, higher probably than it should be um, in these rankings, and um, you you can't take anything away from uh, what the team is capable of. You, you know, even after the um, the hit that Craig took for the league there, what two seasons ago now I guess um, mm -hmm. that um, you know really had really had us thinking that that he was in for a a, a long rebuilding phase. Well, according to these rankings, um, that may not be so long, but we'll see. Yeah, I think in um, the pitching's carrying, I think the Jacoby Ellsbury uh, ranking uh, pulls this rank up. But it's surprising with both the Rockets and the Bulldogs. You know, the Rockets in their rankings don't have a healthy Victor Martinez. They traded away Ryan Braun. Um, the Bulldogs had a really down season from Hanley. It's amazing just how much, how higher these teams could even be. Well, Johnny, let's let's move on out west. Um, of course, start at number four, and I think this this along with with maybe the Bulldogs ranking is um, the most surprising to me, um, according to CBS, and that is the number four team being the Cramps, the Crawford Cramps. Um, with a with a ranking of 295, they came in an astonishing 14th overall, according to CBS. And now, when you look at at the cramps, you know there are two, three, maybe four players among among Crawford's top 28 that really dragged down that average. So I, I'm I'm really not looking at that ranking and and frankly taking it very seriously. I, I think that the cramps are going to finish. Um, higher than 14th. I, I, I don't. I was about to say significantly higher. I'm not sure if they'll finish significantly higher than 14th, but uh, I don't see Crawford coming in that low this year. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. Except, I think they they've got somewhat of a volatile team. Um, what I've noticed from Brian, and I, I don't mean to knock him because uh, he's one of my favorite, and I think he's the one of the GMs I respect the most. He does tend to hold on to guys um, a lot longer. You know, I can understand never wanting to kind of lose value um, and hoping a guy comes around. There's some there's some players on that roster that probably shouldn't be on there, and if those are factored in here, 
I could see that bringing it down uh, for sure. Um, overall, I see him coming in higher than 14th overall as well. I would agree with that. Johnny, who do we see at number three in the West? Number three, we've got a 256 ranking, average rank uh, score, uh, which is good for eighth overall in the league. Um, we've got the Wrigleyville Woo. And, you know, the, the, the West, is, West is, is becoming a very interesting, interesting story to watch, uh, Johnny. I think, you know, it, it kind of had been the laughing stock of the league for a long time now, Sands, um, you know, the powerhouse damage. But, you know, we look at some of these rankings, and, and it's, it's very, very evident that every team in the West is on the rise. Yeah, I mean, I, I mentioned it in an earlier podcast that uh, I think that we were going to surprise this year. Um, we'll see if that happens. You know, it's just my prediction. But um, I think a lot of the West, uh, you tend to not even notice because they have such an uphill battle. Uh, for, I'm going to say for the past four years at least, uh, maybe five, an uphill battle to catch Bill. Um, and be honest, that brings us to number one in the West. Number one overall, uh, let's see, close to close to 40 points higher than the number two, or lower than the number two team, the Wallabies. 154 average ranking for the damage. <laughs> you know, Johnny, we, we talk about how how things are, are changing in the BDL and, and the, the pendulum of power is, is swinging and... and you know, it, you look at these rankings, though, and you know, in a lot of ways that's true. But in a lot of ways, more things change. The more they obviously stay the same. Uh, the damage still a smoking hot team um, on on paper, and without question, they will enter the season as you know one of the two favorites um, to win it all. And you know, looking looking things over, maybe we have three. Kind of sort of favorites this year. Uh, that's that's to be seen, I guess. But no question, uh, the damage once again right there on top of things, and um, uh, it, it's it's hard to to predict anybody else um, playing for for a championship. I mean, you almost you just almost assume at this point that NorCal, at least for now, is going to be there in the end, at least fighting for a title. Yeah, it's definitely a smoking hot ranking, uh, number one overall. Again, 154. Uh, smoking hot like TMO weekend in Cincinnati. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I've got, like, mad respect. I mean, even though sometimes he talks to me like I'm two years old. Uh, <laughs> mad respect for the job he's done. And, um, I mean, you cannot deny anything. You can't deny the two trophies he's got sitting on his CBS page now. And... Uh, you wonder when, when the division is going to uh, kind of challenge him for that title. Um, and you look at number two with the elevation, um, you know, I'm throwing players at Ort, I guess. <laughs> and um, they, they've, I think they've got Howard ranked, you know, another 30 home run season. I'm still waiting to see whether or not he starts the year, you know. Who knows? Um, I think he's definitely on the decline. But he comes in sixth overall in the league so, still with yeah. the 248 average. Yeah, and this, this this is a team, of course, that you know finished what second to last last year, 
and, mm-hmm. uh, and we're seeing that a lot across the league. You know, the Generals having finished in last place league-wide, and, and according to CBS, they're projected, uh, you know, seventh place. Um, and we look at the elevation, finished second to last in 2011. They're projected sixth place with a with an overall score of 248. So you know, things things definitely are changing, and 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 the the you know momentum for a lot of these a lot of these teams is um, really changing, and it's. You know, it's it's good to see these these uh, these teams that have really been you know fighting and scratching and clawing for for a lot of years to to gain a foothold somehow somewhere in their divisions, and it's 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 really happening for a lot of these teams now, Johnny. We will see. I'm not 100% sold on the elevation, but I I really can't deny um, the work they've done this offseason. They went from like ir- irrelevance to uh, you know a pretty decent team. Um, so we'll see how the rest of the West, I guess finishes out uh in 2012 um on to the south look at the number four team in the south who, who you got there scott uh, do we have to look at the south i think i think it's we're contractually obligated oh to okay look at the I see. South. okay we will we, we do want to get paid mm-hmm. wow what a story uh the south it's uh hmm, well johnny let's just go over these abysmal numbers why don't we yeah we'll yes. start number four of course um Owens, buddy, I'm sorry, um, uh, and you're going to hate to hear this broadcast. Uh, the Mavericks come in with a with a score, an overall score of 318, which is bad enough for worst in the league. Um, so, at fourth place in the South, the Mavericks are predicted to be the worst team in the BDL in 2012, according to CBS. And I, you know, I think that I think that uh, Mike Owens there has, you know, he he's got. He's got a lot of. He seems to have a lot of momentum for himself coming into this season, you know, in in his head anyway. And it's it's kind of sad to look at that ranking and 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 know that he's probably going to be discouraged by that. But um, I, I I don't know. Uh, it's, it's, for some of these South teams, it's 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 a bit difficult to decide whether they're on a whether they're on a downswing or whether they're just on the bottom end of an upswing. Um, Johnny, I, I don't know. Yeah, Owens, uh, Mavericks. I love you. I love you, buddy. But um, I'm not. A, I'm not a big fan of the team overall. I do like your strategy. Um, I think. I think he tries to acquire elite level players. Um, I just think he's extremely uh, patient in doing that. Like he won't. I don't think he'll make a trade that that will hurt his team. Uh, but I think that uh, fear maybe um, kind of keeps him from doing anything quickly um and actually i could probably you know again i'm not trying to knock brian but i think the same goes for him they're they're very patient and um they're more like a wait and see team so a team that's not a wait and see team and uh it's probably not going to like these rankings Uh, you you, you think (laughs) probably not (laughs) uh well i think he'll like third in the south a little more than hearing that he's 15th overall in the league oh yeah um with a average ranking of 309 309 the parkview panthers oh and scott had such high hopes for this year sorry buddy no it's uh man i i don't know i mean you um scott is scott is um scott straub he's he's such an active 
active guy in the BDL these days. He is um, when when he's not making a trade, he is talking to someone about making a trade, and uh, I know that he is trying to uh, make things happen. He's always working on moves and making moves, but um, according to CBS, um, his off-season moves coming into 2012 have have not paid off whatsoever in fact they've made the team worse and it's um, it's projected second to last in, in the league so yeah yeah I think it's that and, and it's coupled with probably his guys had some uh, years last year that nobody saw coming and I'm sure CBS didn't doesn't see it coming again um, you know what I'll say for the Panthers and this goes for the elevation too which is why they both need to be watched. Uh, they are active, and active teams make things happen. And yep, um, yep. you see, you see what happens. <clears throat> well, you know, and until and until he falters, you know, I, I'm just gonna. I've, I've said this on the record before, and I'll say it again. You can't really, you can't. Well, not really. You you simply can't discount someone with a track record. Uh, Scott, it, I know it's just one season. Scott Straub, he has a track record of being a playoff team and taking a team that no one thought would go anywhere last year <coughs> and turning it into a winner. And um, mm -hmm. no matter what these rankings say, um, you you have to look at that track record first. And that you know, the same goes for you know for any team. Uh, this season, probably yours especially, Johnny. Um, no matter what these rankings say, and they're not good for the killer cars, um, and until I'm still ahead of the Panthers. <laughs> well, there is that. There is that. Score. <laughs> Score one for the killer cars. No, but uh, familiar face, Johnny, up top in the south. And number one team with an overall score of 274, the Richmond Rebels. Um, no no surprise there. No surprise there at all, but the the discouraging thing to look at is that the projected winner of the South is only the 11th best team in the league, according to CBS. And that's, that is a startling, startling number, Johnny. Yeah, what can I say? I can say it, this was an obvious number one in the South for me. Um, no offense to the rest of the division, but um, I think Mark's just got more talent than the rest of them. Um, he's kind of played it this year, and I don't know, maybe even a little longer than that, similar to the Bulldogs. Um, you know, they keep their pitching, and they kind of sit and let their team let their team play. Um, it looks, I guess, based on this ranking, that maybe the, the team's starting to fade a little because uh, they used to be quite the powerhouse. Um, but, again, he's still top of the division. He's going to make the playoffs if he wins the division, so uh, you can't argue with that. True. True. So, who are we left with? Milwaukee Beers? We are left with the number two team, the Milwaukee Beers, with an overall score of 292. And that is good enough for 13th overall in the league. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I have no comment on Chris's team. I don't know what to make of it. I mean, <laughs> I really don't. I, he's got a, a decent team. Um... I would think it'd be higher than 13th overall, probably in the middle, like nine, yeah, upper half of the bottom half. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Um, 
Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. I, I find actually the bottom three teams in the South, the Beers, the Panthers, and the Mavericks, I, I find them all kind of hard to peg. Um, they're constructed a little differently than, uh, you know, m most of your, your division-leading teams, championship-caliber teams. And, um, you know, on one hand, you can look at the Beers and, and almost think they're, they're going to be a middle-of-the-pack kind of kind of team with, you know, with a couple moves, you know, to, to help things out, of course. But on the other hand, it's, it's, it's tough. I mean, it's hard to make. It's hard to know what to make of them sometimes, but um, are they are they the three newest league managers? I mean, are they are they still trying to get a feel for? I, I'm not sure if Kevin came before or after Owens. I, I really see. can't remember. Looking over the list, yeah, I I don't remember exactly. Scott, the Panthers, he is the newest manager. The yeah. other three, the Beers, um, Chris, the Mavericks. Uh, Mike Owens and the Double Downs, um, Kevin. I kind of feel like they came in around the same time. I, I know that mm -hmm. they didn't come in exactly the same time, but my they, they were so close together. My my memory's kind of fuzzy. Um, so yeah, and, and looking at that, you know, you 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 may have a point there, Johnny. Maybe they're just still kind of, you know, feeling their way around and 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 getting the hang of things. Of course, you know, they did take over, you know, rebuilding clubs except for the Beers who took over the uh, legendary Falcons. But mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see where it goes in the south, but it it it's 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 an abysmal it's an abysmal um, set of numbers. And uh, hmm, not much more to say about that, but uh, maybe we'll try to in a few minutes. But Johnny, <laughs> let, let's move on. Um, just quickly, and but just to recap first, according to CBS, here are your projected division winners and your top four playoff teams for 2012. They are uh, Seed 1, the NorCal Damage out west. Seed 2, the Portsmouth Wallabies in the north. Seed 3, the Rockland Rockets in the east. And Seed 4, the Richmond Rebels in the south. Now, that leaves us with two more playoff teams to, to look at. And you know these rankings obviously don't take into consideration a, a, you know a lot of things that are going to factor into what the final standings look like at the end of the year. But you know just for argument's sake, just for fun, you know that's that's the reason why we're doing this. Um, let's look at the next two best records following those those division winners and see who CBS projects to be our wildcard teams. Number one would be the Bulawayo Bulldogs. Uh, actually, the number four ranked team league wide, but they would take the first wild card according to CBS. And number two, the Baltimore Epidemic, the number five ranked team league wide according to CBS. So those rankings show us just how uh, dominant the East Division is likely to be in 2012, Johnny. Three playoff teams from the East according to CBS uh, the Rockets, of course, winning the division. And then the next two teams, two and three in the East, the Bulldogs and the Epidemic, have the next two best records after the four division winners. And that would put uh, three teams from the East in the playoffs. Yeah, this uh, does not help the Northeast um, discussion at all. <laughs> uh, I think if, if the Generals make the playoff and uh, all four of you make the playoffs, then uh, 
Hmm. I'm calling bullshit. Well, that that would that would be a trick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm fairly confident the Amish had nothing to do with these rankings. Uh, I'm kind of curious if Mike or Craig um, put these uh, rankings together. <laughs> yeah. That uh, hmm. you may be onto something there, Johnny. But we just we we also tallied and averaged the um, the divisions as a whole. Uh, just to give everyone a, a look at at the CBS division power rankings, we'll call them, and uh, these are the team the team scores added and averaged for each each division. And let's go over them right now, Johnny. Number four, no surprise after what we just went over, um, the South Division, and it was not close at all. In fact, uh, they were 50 points behind the number three ranked division. So the South. Um, Really getting beat up on today's show. Uh, number three would be the North Division, uh, what uh, used to be a uh, an absolute powerhouse uh, in a lot of ways. I'm kind of slipping a little bit with an overall score of 248 for that division. Um, Johnny, I'll let you take it with the with the number one ranked team. We've kind of already touched on it, so it's it's no surprise. It is zero surprise. Um, the East. Uh, is the number one ranked team um, average ranking for all four teams 226 um, which is amazing um, there's little doubt at this point who, who has the best division I think um, there'll be discussion and the West comes in second at 238 um, so you could tell that the other three either the damage is carrying the, that division or the other three teams are uh, are finally catching up and, and uh, the North and South uh, well, the North's not that far behind, no, and uh, no. I'm not just saying that. They're, they're only 10 points behind. Uh, the South is a shitty-ass division. <laughs> they, listen, their their average ranking for all four teams is 298. It's almost 300. That's, that's... With their average ranking, average player on their team is in the 300s. It's terrible. That's, yeah, I mean, it's beyond terrible, and I, you know, I... I hate to come out with all this because, you know, I, I'm probably going to have to sit at the dinner table one Sunday afternoon pretty soon and um, get chewed a new one by the um, South Division <laughs> leader over over this. But, hey, guys, you know, <laughs> this is just sad. You you, you all ha you you've got to pick it up. Um, I, I don't I don't know what to say. It's um, you, you're looking. We love you. Yeah. Right. There's you you know, the South projected, of course, has the two worst teams in the league, and also the number eleven and number thirteen ranked teams in the league. They are putrid. They're horrible. Um, <laughs> they suck. <laughs> Can we pile on any more? I mean, what? You have any other <laughs> crazy stats regarding well, these? Well, I mean, uh, it's just rankings? it's kind of already out there now. We might as well just let it fly, I guess, Johnny. But it. it um, yeah, but no, look, guys, for real, it's um, good luck, and I, I hope I hope you guys figure it out um, because um, you know I, I hate to say I hate to see things uh, tank so badly in, in, in one division, but um, when when the fourth place when the fourth place team from one division could win the South quite easily. There's there's a bit of a problem, <laughs> and um, 
I, I, I just I hope you guys figure it out soon. That's 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 all I'll say on that. Yeah, these these rankings may not mean as much as we're putting on them, but they are pretty eye-opening. I mean, it might it might shed some light on on some certain things and make some teams uh, take a different look at the roster. I know. Um, I still got some work to do. <laughs> yeah, and really, I, I guess maybe the overall point here, Johnny, or, or, or the overall headline that, that, that comes out of this is, um, you know, we, we have a lot of unbalance now, um, not, not league-wide. I think we have a lot of parity now league-wide, but division balance is nuts, um, when you, of course, looking at the e, uh, I'm sorry, at the South, it is, it's terrible. You look at the East and West divisions combined; those two divisions combined host seven of the top eight teams in the whole league. Almost half of the, almost the top half, the entire top half of the league is in two divisions: the East and the uh, East and West, and. Um, you know, there's you know some power in the north, but things aren't spread out anymore, and um, it's it's a bit alarming. It is. <laughs> That's all I could say. It is. Well, uh, speaking of, and of course, we just chastised uh, him and his division here, but uh, <laughs> I think Johnny, you uh, you actually spent um, spent a few minutes with uh, with Chris of the beers. An uh, evening. Recent an no. evening. Okay, I'm, I didn't realize it was so intimate. Uh, you spent an evening with Chris uh, recently, and uh, some pretty interesting things I think came out of the interview. So uh, why don't we uh, why don't we cut to that right now, Johnny? Okay, so I'm here with uh, Chris Ballson, owner of the uh, Milwaukee Beers, here to talk some fantasy baseball with us today. Um, go through a few things and uh, get to know him a little better. And I'll start right off by saying that, you know, last year you met uh, a lot of us uh, in person uh, during BDL weekend, Philadelphia. Um, that was a great experience. What would you say to the guys who maybe you haven't met? Or, you know, tell us a little about yourself in that regard. Well, first off, thanks for the invitation to the league. It really helped to uh, feed my addiction to fantasy sports, which may or may not be a good thing, but I guess that's still to be <laughs> determined. Yep. Uh, in terms of personally, uh, just a simple man of the people, uh, like most of us here. Um, work hard, play as hard as I can, uh, married, father of zero. Uh, try to get out and travel as much as I can, you know, either for business or pleasure, but uh, that's pretty much it. It's me in a nutshell. Is, uh, is zero... Actually, this is me in a nutshell. <laughs> is oh, wait, this isn't a video. No. Is zero a boy or a girl? Uh, well, you know, we'll see. All right. <laughs> uh... So you've been here, I guess, through um, two drafts, probably over a year. What, you, what is it, a year and a half maybe? Yeah, I guess it was end of the fall of, yeah, two years ago now. Mm -hmm. So year and a half. Yeah, ish. right after our season, I think. Correct. Uh, um, our league champion from a couple years uh, got out of here. I hear. What, what do you think? That was the Actually, case. this is an impromptu question. What do you <laughs> think of uh, when you go to your page and you see those two trophies sitting there? It hurts. <laughs> it hurts to see that uh, I have two championships that I, I did not gain, and I don't think I'm, uh, not that I'm against my team, but not on the level of uh, winning another one immediately. 
Trust me, it hurts me too. <laughs> so, um, you know, after your time spent here so far, what, what do you think of the BDL and, and how do you like it? You know, what are your impressions? Yeah, well, first off, just from these little questions you gave me, I, I appreciate that you changed it to two drafts in capitals as opposed to in the last podcast. That's right. I had to listen to, <laughs> I was only here for one draft. Yes, you corrected me. Especially in a draft where I got guys like Tyler Skaggs and mm-hmm. Paul Goldschmidt and flipped Will and Rosario for, um, why can't I think his name, Randall Delgado. You know, mm-hmm. I would think that would, you know, at least get a little memory, but. Well done. We'll go. Um, in terms of so far from the BDL, I mean, it's honestly just been great to see the commitment and knowledge pretty much from the entire league. I mean, there's been some questionable moves. I mean, like, you know, when the trades go down for, like, Howard for Colmenter or something like that. But, you know, overall, I feel <laughs> that, uh, you know, everybody's pretty knowledgeable. Everybody uh, knows what they're doing. And and most of all, everybody has a good time doing it. So uh, I think that's kind of the number one thing. Yeah, I would agree with you. Um, what would you say that uh, the biggest thing you learned since since you got in the league? Well, I mean, there's a couple of things. I mean, learning about the league, and then there's also learning about baseball, which is the kind of two sides that I, you know, have kind of gotten to. So in terms of things that I've learned about the BDL, I mean, obviously, uh, the first thing I learned was uh, pitching is pretty much worth an arm and a leg, and I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit later. But uh, the other thing is that anything can happen in a head-to-head league. Mm. Um, You know, I've done roto leagues, I've done head-to-head leagues, but in the same as the BDL, anything can happen. I mean... I didn't have a lot of star power last year, but it was, you know, pretty much in contention for the wild card throughout the season. I mean, I had a couple injuries late that kind of, you know, helped me to fall out of contention. But, um, you know, anybody can beat anybody. And that's kind of the way that I uh, like to look at it. Um, but from a baseball perspective, I mean, it's nice to see and learn kind of about the true depth in the majors as well as in the minors. You know, in a lot of the other leagues I've done, they've been smaller formats, 10 teams. You know, you own a lot more players, but... Uh, um, you know, you kind of go from there and say, here are the guys that I would usually draft, and now you got to really think beyond that and think into the minors and kind of get into all that stuff, which has been a nice uh, nice thing to think about. Yeah, it's definitely eye-opening. Those were two of the very first things I learned as well. Um, so getting into your team in, in particular, uh, you have a best and worst trade of, of your team so far? Or? Yeah, I look back through the history. Um <laughs> I've made some good ones and I made some bad ones. I kind of pulled out two that I'm going to list as worst, but even though I'm saying these as worst, they're both kind of still to be determined. But I think I would say, in terms of rating it worst, I'm going to say the ones that hurt the most last year. Mm. Uh, the first one was trading J.J. Hardy for two fifth-round picks. Now, when I did it at the time, J.J. Hardy was J.J. Hardy, not a guy that's going to turn around and hit 30 home runs from the shortstop position last year. Now, with one of those fifth-round picks, I did pick up Paul Goldschmidt, so that's why it's still kind of to be determined. The other one was just a, a throwaway pick, and mm-hmm. the guy dropped uh, probably immediately. That was a kind of a rookie mistake. The other one, and this one is a little odd as well, I traded uh, Curtis Granderson and Rafael Soriano uh, and a fourth-round pick for Chris Davis, Mark Trumbo, Nick Weglars, and a third-round pick that I actually used in this draft to pick up Dylan Howard. Um as everyone, I'm sure, knows, Curtis Granderson exploded last year, and that one also hurt. But I got a lot of guys in return. So, again, that's one of those ones that you still have to see, uh, you know, kind of determine the um, the value. I mean, the other thing is also Rafael Soriano was dropped mid-year, and I was able to pick him back up for free. So you can kind of, with you know, deduct that from the uh, nice. from the equation. But uh, we'll see how Trumbull does. We'll see how Davis does. Uh, Weglar's unfortunately got hurt and is kind of uh, 
up in the air and actually just was dropped from the BDL. I'm sorry, dropped from my uh, beers roster if anybody's interested. He's out there. So <laughs> spend your waiver pickup on him. Granderson's all hype. <laughs> Wallabies are coming down to earth this year. Well, we'll see about that. But, uh, <laughs> Granderson does look pretty good. Uh, in terms of a best trade, um, I really picked that one. I mean, I've made, made a couple that I've been happy with. Uh, but the one that I think I got the most value for was trading uh, Wade Davis last year, uh, where I picked up Matt Joyce and then a 2012 first-rounder and a 2012 second-rounder. Um, I used those picks to get Leonis Martin and, and Corey Spangenberg. So, you know, Joyce... Not a superstar. Uh, really had an unbelievable half of a year last year. Hopefully he can, you know, <laughs> even repeat that again, and then I get one full great year out of him. But uh, we'll go from there. I mean, I think he projects to be a starter for me this year, and you know, if he slips, then uh, I'll have to slide somebody else in. But you know, you know what you're going to get from Wade Davis, and um, solid guy. But you know, it was nice to get some upside from that. So. Happy is, about that deal. He is solid. I think I read something the other day that uh, with all of Tampa's depth, like he might be moved to the bullpen. Yeah, and that's kind of what I've been reading as well. And I knew that, uh, not that I had a lot of knowledge about the Miners when I did trade him, but that Tampa does have a pretty deep system and a lot of guys that can come up and help. And, you know, you never know where they're going to end up. And unfortunately, I kind of own two of those guys right now in, uh, in Cobb and uh, Torres. So both of them, I think, could be starters on other teams, but you know, being on Tampa, it's kind of it's kind of hard to know with that depth. Yeah, uh, you don't really know much in terms of that rotation. They'll probably move everyone aside for any Romero when he comes up. <laughs> everyone else, David mm. Price, mm. you know. Yeah, those guys. You know, they're, they're expendable. <laughs> so, let's see. Who, in your opinion, in the BDL, is the easiest GM to trade with? Um. I was kind of thinking of two names at first, and honestly, the first one that popped up was you, but I'm oh, actually well. not going to go that way. Okay. We've definitely made the most trades, but Have I we? don't know if you've been the easiest to trade with. So I'm going to go with the other host of this and, and uh, say Scotty, because, <laughs> hey, we've made some very quick trades, and that's what you asked here, easiest trade. Yeah. You know, we've been one or two PMs, and the deal's done, so... I think we've kind of been on the same level uh, in terms of uh, value. You know, we see eye to eye. So I would say easiest, but if you're going to ask me most trades, we've made the most trades. He might be the easiest in the league. I'm not sure it has to do with trading, though. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, uh, let's see. Um, so what do you expect from your team in 2012 and going forward in the future? Um, what what excites you about having like a minor league system like the BDL does that uh, may help you in that? Well, I think for 2012, I have the same, you know, kind of the same aspirations that I had in 2011. Uh, contended for the wild card for most of the year, and I think that's kind of where I'll be at um, in a 2012 position as well. I don't think any lower, and you know, honestly, I don't think any higher. But you know, we'll kind of see if some of the moves that I've made and some of the guys I've picked up, um, you know, kind of come into their own this year. And you know, hey, it's possible, but you know, we'll kind of play it from there. Uh, in terms of future, I mean, obviously, uh, when I got the team, there was very little minor league talent, as I think everybody pretty much agreed. And uh, <laughs> I tried to make moves to not only get minor league talent, but to get some younger major league talent. So I had a lot of, you know, over the last year, I've had a lot of guys go out the door that even had good years last year. I mentioned some of them before, but may have been a little bit older than some of the guys that I've gotten. Uh, so in terms of the future, I'm obviously hoping that the young acquisitions I've made, the minor league, you know, minor leaguers I've acquired will help me to get into, um, you know, kind of obviously championship contention over the next couple of years. I mean, obviously everybody has that aspiration, but 
I don't see why um, I don't see any roadblocks in that uh, in that strategy. Um, you know, I've really gotten rid of a lot of guys, kind of not at the end of their careers, but maybe over thirty. And so you say, you know, he's over thirty, and if I'm shooting to win in two or three years, he may be thirty-five. You know, and maybe that's not really the peak of their career. So um, I only have a couple of guys on my roster right now over the age of thirty. So I'm really hoping that, like I said, over the next couple of years, a lot of my minors come up, and you know, some of these guys that are younger. Uh, maybe not role players yet, you know, kind of move into that role and kind of take over that from that position. Uh, in terms of the minor league system, I mean, I really like it, but it is really challenging. Um, you know, it's tough to, to pick these guys. I mean, you read all you can, you watch what you can. Uh, it's a lot of fun, but it is a big challenge. Um, and I think the one thing I'll add is, at first, 20 minor leaguers seemed like so many to maintain. And uh, now I kind of feel the complete opposite. Like, we don't have enough. I need more guys. I know. I want the league to go 30-30. <laughs> People, hear me. <laughs> it's just like there's so many guys out there that could be good. Mm-hmm. And that's what it comes down to, being tough, uh, trying to judge minor league talent. Is There's a lot of guys that could be great. There's a lot of guys that just aren't. So, you know, you never know what's going to happen. But... Uh, 20 is a good number. I mean, I'm not uh, not going all in with your 30. I think people will shoot me over too many changes to the league. Well, I think if anybody can get a change across, uh, it would certainly be you. Um, and that brings us into the Volson Initiative. Um, that's your baby. And uh, what, what seed was planted in your brain that, I guess, brought you that very first thought for this revolutionary change? Well, first of all, I don't want to take credit for developing the idea of having more than nine offensive starters. You know, this is pretty standard in a lot of other leagues that I've played in. Now, with that said, I didn't really think it was an issue when I first joined and was playing with nine offensive starters. It wasn't like I looked at it and was like, hey, man, this makes no sense. But, you know, just kind of going through maybe about halfway through the season, I started to really see, you know, the importance that was placed on pitching. Some of it good and some of it bad. I mean, it doesn't mean that, you know, Roy Halladay is worth more than he should be, but, you know, some of the other guys that, uh, you know, may be fourth and fifth starters, kind of no-name guys that, you know, are probably good, you know, mediocre at best, um, you know, really had a lot of, uh, you know, kind of importance placed on them, you know, guys that get one or two starts are snatched up immediately off the waiver wire by teams that have, you know, 15, 16 other starters, it's just, it's just what you see, and it's the way that the league played. It's not a negative or a positive. It's just the way that the league played out. Um, And I think what really started to kind of plant the seed even deeper was when I would see kind of the depth of guys that are out there from an offensive perspective and say, you know, those guys have some value. Um, You know, they're not, you know, in a 16-team league, they're probably not waiver guys. Uh, And, you know, I would really see a lot of free agents that were kind of created, you know, drop from other teams for these kind of one or two chance starters that may get a couple things here and there. And it was kind of just looking at it, and I was thinking, you know, that really isn't the way it even relates to true baseball. You know, I mean, fantasy's fantasy, but I think, obviously, in the BDL, you know, being this a long-term league and all that kind of thing, I think the goal was to get this as close to, you know, running a major league team as possible to be honest with you. I mean, Mm -hmm. we have a minor league system. We have, obviously, a major league system, and it kind of seemed like, you know, if you were looking at the value of your offensive guys compared to your pitching, that wasn't even true if you were to kind of compare that as best to a major league baseball scenario. So I think that's really what started the idea 
um, and then just kind of doing some of the statistical analysis on that, which some people refute, but, you know, I'm not going to go into that, but, you know, it's just kind of, uh, that's really what helped bring that to the forefront. Yeah, I mean, I really didn't know how to feel about it when it was brought forward, um, seeing that, you know, it was passed, and, and uh, I've, I've gotten used to planning for it going forward, and I'm excited, actually, for the additional uh, hitters to come into my lineup. Um, were you surprised at the, how much support you received, like, when it was voted on? When I thought about this question at first, my answer was yes. But then when I really kind of started to think about it, you know, I, I, really, I guess I really wasn't surprised. And the only reason I wasn't surprised is because I felt that in the BDL, we understood that this isn't going to blow things out of proportion. This isn't going to take the, you know, the league and flip it, flip it over, which I would never want to do. Um, and I just kind of was reading through some of the comments, and it's like, you know, I think people just get it. You know, obviously there's going to be teams that disagree. You know, that, I mean, that's 16 people. We're not all going to agree, ever. Uh, but I think that a majority of the league kind of looked at it and said, what's the negatives here? You know, I mean, maybe there are some. There definitely are some. And what are the positives? And that the, the positives kind of outweigh that. I mean, that's definitely the way that I feel. And I think that's the way that the league felt, obviously, um, in order to pass this initiative. So, like I said, not, not ultimately surprised when I kind of go through and kind of read everybody's comments. It sounds like... Maybe while it wasn't proposed, maybe it was kind of in the fore, you know, kind of in the background of people's uh, people's minds a little mm -hmm. bit. Mm -hmm. There was a lot, lot of discussion on this. I think it became like our all-time discussed topic uh, during the winter meetings. <laughs> when I looked at it today, there was like thirteen hundred <laughs> comments That's in the crazy. one thread. I'm sure there were many others and many other smash talk threads on how much I suck. But yeah, <laughs> we do that via PM. Uh, we do, we do off the floor. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Except when Scotty puts up my PMs as, as the basis for this uh, <laughs> this initiative, which, you know, I thought a PM was a PM, but, you know, I'll have to address that with Scotty. We, uh, so there was a lot of different ideas discussed. Do you think we got it right with the outfield uh, coming in next year, the middle infield, quarter infield coming in the following year? Do you think we got it right? I, I think so. I mean, honestly, this was a, uh, you know, debatable issue. I think three was the right number. I think less than three doesn't really do too much, and more than three maybe isn't even necessary. Um, I like the pick of the positions because it gives you a nice mix. I mean, unfortunately, the only thing you're left with is this, if you have two catchers. I mean, that's not uh, extremely common that you would have wanted to start two catchers, but I think that's the only thing that you are not accommodated for. Um, in terms of the phasing, I don't necessarily think it was a necessity, kind of a, sorry, using the same word twice, but... Um, I do think that it was the best solution because it does give everybody the opportunity to get prepared. Um, and obviously in that in this league, that's kind of the right way to go. You know, give everybody enough time to think it over, uh, give everybody enough time to prepare, and then go from there. But I think ultimately if we had phased them all in at the same time, meaning given a year from the decision, I don't think there would have been too big of an issue, but, you know. Yeah, that's one thing. I'll, I'll really commend Scotty on that. Every, anytime there's a big issue in the media, I mean, it could be uh, personal, it could be uh, statistical, it could be um, league format, anything. He does an amazing job of kind of stepping back and uh, um, really handling it in a way that um, is most sound for the structure of the BDL. Yeah, I agree. He does a really great job with that. Uh, let's see. Um, so the phasing probably won't be a problem. Uh, in your opinion, uh, I don't actually think it will either. Probably won't be too much of a change in balance of power. You think uh, right. just te good teams are going to be good teams, and right, and that's one of the points that I wanted to make most in this whole proposal. 
I mean, I think people read into some of my comments uh, about levels of competition uh, changing in saying that, well, you know, the good team, you know, the good teams aren't going to get any worse and, and all that kind of thing. And I agree with that. I wouldn't want the good teams to get worse, and I wouldn't want the bad teams to get better just from a roster format change. Uh, but on the other hand, I think it will enable better competition and spread of talent. So, mm. I mean, if you want to look at it from that perspective, it, I think it gives everybody, including the teams that may be lagging a little bit behind, a better opportunity where, you know, maybe they have a couple extra offensive guys that you can trade for pitchers. It's all that kind of thing. Maybe it'll do nothing. You know, and I think that's kind of the other part of it. Maybe it won't do anything. But I also doesn't, don't think it does anything negative in terms of giving you some extra guys to plug in there uh, on a daily basis. You know, I mean, we own the guys on our roster now. We didn't expand the roster. It's really just a hoping that there's a shift in roster trends from very pitcher-heavy to maybe even just medium pitcher-heavy. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't think it, <laughs> it takes it and blows it out of proportion. It just shifts a little bit to where you got to think a little bit about the offensive guys. And, you know... Some of the teams, and some of the good teams, and honestly, um, you know, your team until you kind of, and I don't mean that as, I don't think your team's good anymore. What I mean is you had a lot of guys that were very stable, uh -huh. you know, and you blew it up. But let's say you had kept your stable format. There wouldn't have been an extreme need to move a lot of those pieces right now. Mm -hmm. let's, let's talk about a short term. Mm -hmm. But now, if you had kept all those pieces, and we now implemented additional offensive guys, you would have been, f not forced, but you would have probably wanted to make moves to say, I'm going to move this pitcher, I'm going to move this pitcher, and I'm going to move this pitcher so that I can acquire these, you know, middle infield, quarter infield, and outfield positions that are on the caliber of everybody else on my team. And, you know, maybe that would have come from my team, maybe that would have come from another team that's a little bit light on pitching. And then I would have basically gotten the pitchers, you would have gotten some of the guys that would have helped you out in those positions. And then I think we would have been more imbalanced in terms of my pitching matching up with your pitching or anybody else's pitching. So mm -hmm. I think that's mm -hmm. kind of the way I look at it. Well, say it with me. Reinvention. Reinvention. Look out for the cars in 2012. <laughs> He's using this podcast for his own little plug. Yes. Like that. Wallabies going down. <laughs> Amish. Double downs. Beware. <laughs> uh so now that I just did my little shout-outs, what, what kind of final words do you have for your division mates, uh, for the BDL in general? Well, I wouldn't say it's, it's words. I'll just leave them with one word, strategery, and they can think that over. Excellent. Well, um, thanks for being on, Chris. No problem. Um, Thank you for having me. It's been great. Welcome to the BDL again, a year and a half in, and uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. Let's, let's bring on 2012. Sounds good. I'm ready. All right, thanks a lot, guys. That was uh, that was a good listen, and uh, it was it was good to hear Chris's perspective on everything. And, and, and Johnny did a, a great job with the, uh, the sit down interview there. And glad you guys could take the time to do that. And thank you, Chris, for joining us. Uh, one thing we, we did want to get to in today's show um, is a discussion on BDL Rule Two C. Uh, if you're not familiar with that. Um, what, what that rule is, is what has allowed one very unique trade to go down this offseason. Um, that was the, the infamous Darvish for Ryan Zimmerman deal. And um, what has allowed, the same rule that has allowed the elevation 
to shop the number two waiver priority uh, for a for a touted Cuban prospect. And uh, I think it's it's interesting to, to talk about Johnny because we've never we've never seen um, you know the the effects of this rule in action before. And actually, there's kind of been some debate I think among league members on whether or not it it's a good rule after they have seen it in action. And uh, basically, to break it down for you, uh, Rule 2C allows foreign, um, inter international, I guess, uh, best way to put it, signees who are above age 25 to be added to BDL rosters without first having to have been available in the BDL draft, uh, which is um, you know, counter to our rule that most players, or most prospects, prospects, I should say, have to be made available first in the draft. Now, uh, that rule has been in the books for years and years now, but uh, at no time has or have players, um, international players, that, that stand a chance of impacting their major league teams so greatly uh, ha have they been affected by this rule so far uh, until this, until this offseason. You, Darvish, really was the first one, and what you've seen was, of course, uh, the generals trading that number one overall waiver priority, uh, as well as prospects, for um, for third baseman Ryan Zimmerman. And what what was your initial reaction to that trade in general, Johnny? Uh, I think I liked it for uh, for Brent um, and and some pitching. Uh, what everyone is looking at is hopefully some quality pitching. Um, one thing I'll give you is third base is, is kind of. Uh, shallow in the league right now uh, but Brent's benefiting again from uh, what seems like a Miguel Cabrera move to third base um, so it probably made sense for both of you uh, overall with the rule I um, I think I first first thought you know this doesn't seem right you know why don't we just cut it off you know players that are eligible for the draft uh, are it that's it and um, well, the more I think about it and the more I see the trade activity uh, with the elevation shopping the number two with what looks like uh, Ioannis Espedes, um as the target for a lot of teams um, it's kind of exciting you know it, it gives uh, these teams that finished uh, rightfully so at the bottom of the league last year uh, with those early waiver picks it gives them you know an opportunity to jump you know so the process isn't so long um, in rebuilding you know they can make a little jump yeah I mean n no one can can deny there has been unprecedented interest in in waiver slotting this offseason and it's been due to you know to those international players being being signed or being scouted and, and expected to be signed um, what I would say to to critics of the rule is that it's it's serving the exact purpose that it was in place for which was to benefit um, weaker teams. That, that's why that it's there, so that you know they would have first crack at at players such as Darvish that come over and um, can you know help the, help help those teams right away, so that they don't have to wait maybe a full year to have a crack at them in the draft. Um, you know, Darvish would have been an excellent addition to my rotation. You know, no no bones about that whatsoever. Um, but I, I chose to to fill third base um, in a roundabout way with with that priority instead. And uh, you know, had it not been for Darvish, 
Um, the Generals wouldn't have a star third baseman for the 2012 season right now. And that was made possible simply by the fact that we had the worst record last year. So, you know, the way I look at it, and, and of course with the elevation, um, having having the number two priority there, and, and from what I understand, getting a lot of interest from teams for that slot, um, I, I think it's serving its exact purpose. Yeah, I agree. And um, actually, this might be a little off topic, but you got me thinking, and uh, I ask those poignant questions when they need to be asked. Um <laughs> You know, in that trade, in the Darvish for Zimmerman trade, you brought Zimmerman over, um, starting third baseman for the Nationals, and you've got Anthony Rendon, or Rendon, um, in your minor league system. I mean, how do you see that playing out? You know, do you expect to lose third baseman Zimmerman and plug him in right in? or? Um, well, I mean, you know, the, the Nationals are – negotiating with, with Zimmerman on a long-term extension right now. No idea whether that, you know, is going to happen. But to me, it, it, it didn't, you know, that doesn't affect, that doesn't affect my plans one way or the other because of the way rosters will be expanding over the next two seasons following, uh, mm. following 2012, you know. Good point. Yeah. Um, my, my, uh, my dream scenario would be for the <coughs> Nationals to, in fact, sign Zimmerman to a long-term extension and develop Rendon at second base um, mm -hmm. to eventually take the place of uh, Brandon Phillips for me. Um, I don't know whether that'll happen. Um, if it doesn't happen, because of the expanded rosters that will be in full effect by 2014, it's, it's really not going to matter anyway. Um, I, I'll have a place to play both players should I choose to keep them. Okay, Johnny, it's time to run the bases. First base ball play. It's all over. Richmond. A.J. Burnett looks poised to remain a headache not only for the Yankees, but the Rebels. As erratic as he was in New York last year, you knew he was at least in line for wins. If the Yankees are successful in dealing Burnett as they're reportedly trying to do, possibly to the Pirates, just how far can his fantasy stock continue to fall, which would, of course, greatly affect the Rebels? Yeah, I mean, I don't... I, you have to look at it from the end of last season because his stock basically had no value at the end of last season. He, he was useless. And um, at this point, he's not going to pitch in the Yankees rotation. So I think a trade to Pittsburgh might be beneficial. At least it'd, it'd get him innings. And who knows? You know, I don't, I don't know if I fully believe in you know, the, the pressure stuff, but um, with less pressure, I don't know. Maybe he does better. NorCal. Outfielder Carl Crawford is questionable, uh-oh, for the start of the season while recovering from wrist surgery. Now, I don't think anybody's going to cry for the former two-time champs upon hearing uh, this news, um, you know, given the damage remain a very stacked team. But the bigger story is what effect Crawford's absence may have on a much tighter top half of the league. Uh, NorCal, you know, they can't give away games and keep a foothold in the top three slots anymore. Johnny, does does the team need to take need to make a preseason move here for a little insurance? Uh, I don't think so. I I think his roster is basically set. He's got enough to back up. Just about any injury he's gonna 
take on the, his his entire roster is in their prime, <laughs> so it's incredibly deep. He's got, as you can see, the the lowest ranking um, across the board, and those other guys will step up. Um, I don't think I don't think it matters one bit to lose a guy like Carl Crawford, which is amazing. It's amazing. So speaking of uncertainties. Um, Ryan Braun is reportedly uh, supposed to learn the fate of his failed banned substance test this week. And um, this could impact, uh, it could have impacted the Rockets, it, it could impact uh, the Wallabies. Um, do you think it has any impact on the damage being their number one team uh, entering the season given that um, either team would have had, would possibly be losing him for 50 games? Uh, well, probably not. Um, you know, I, I, I do think that you know, the the damage uh, ha you know they, they have to be more protective of wins that they can get their hands on these days because uh, you know that that gap at the top has has narrowed quite a lot but um, from from top to bottom uh, the roster is, is is so well constructed that uh, I, I don't think that it will have a uh, have, have a big effect on on, on NorCal's um, projected entering the season as the number one team nor you know, six weeks, eight weeks into the season, remaining the number one team. Crawford, the Reds want to stretch out lefty Aroldis Chapman as a starter for 2012, which could have a huge impact for a Cramps team looking to break out as a contender for the first time since the team's rebuilding effort began years ago. Considering the back end of Crawford's rotation could use a guy like Chapman how closely must GM Brian Kasky be monitoring the situation in Cincinnati? I'm sure he's monitoring it pretty closely. Uh, I'm sure he looks at every situation uh, that has to deal with his roster pretty closely. I know he he's um, always looking uh, for improvement. He's always looking to see what his guys are, are capable of doing and uh, to see if they're improving. Um, I'm not so sure that one additional starter is going to push him very much, um, but it, it can't help, it can't hurt, um, you know, this is the direction he needs to go, and it's very beneficial that uh, the Reds are doing that for him. Well, guys, that's all for our show today. I, we are exiting this podcast, enemy number one for the South Division, Johnny, I believe. You've been listening to Two Men On. And we're out. <laughs>